Hello and welcome to the Training for Influence podcast, brought to you by me, Tammy Banks, Director of Tay Training and founder of the Training for Influence method. But it's not just me who you'll be hearing from. I'll be joined by a selection of our expert facilitators, as well as sector colleagues and fellow organisations, all in an effort to provide important learnings for key workers, people on the front line who are new, potentially inexperienced, volunteering, possibly agency workers, or perhaps returning to work previously retired professionals. This podcast is not a replacement for training. It aims to highlight important topics to act as an introductory resource for those delivering services under these unprecedented circumstances. We asked our facilitators to select five top takeaways from a course they deliver. Takeaways the delegates have fed back that are really key or they as a facilitator think are fundamental to the session. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Tay Training Facilitator Becky about Safeguarding Alerta. We'll be briefly covering legislation, the importance of multi-agency working, the steps to making a report and much, much more. Welcome, Becky. It's really great to have you here. Thanks for giving up your time for this podcast. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Would you mind introducing yourself and why you deliver these sessions for Tay? Yeah, so I'm Becky. My background is working previously within um, domestic violence and abuse and sexual trauma very child and young person focused but also supporting the family as a whole as well so I am really passionate about safeguarding because of that it's something that everyone needs to be aware of and I also love delivering training and I love empowering people to be able to look out for those key issues and to empower people to support others as well. Fantastic so I'm going to give an overview of the safeguard and alerter course and then it'll be over to you Becky that sound okay? Yep that's fine. Safeguard and Alerta builds on the information from the awareness course. It adds more detail to the underpinning principles, legislation, guidance and reasons for abuse. The course was developed with a variety of operational staff and based on the information they need to fulfil their legislative responsibilities and provide the best possible service to their customer group. So if you were to attend the full alerter course, you will have already attended the awareness course. So this is stage two in the safeguarding training journey. So Becky, you deliver safeguarding alerter. What's it like as a course to deliver? It's a really fun and interesting course to deliver as it's the next stage up. Really look at people's kind of values and opinions and have some great discussions around safeguarding and those processes and breaking them down to make it as accessible for any practitioner to be able to really fulfil their roles. Actually, I used to deliver Safeguarding Alerta. I haven't delivered it for a long time now. And I echo what you just said there about it being a really interesting course and particularly from a values and principles perspective because people come along to the awareness, sometimes quite new to safeguarding, and they've taken all of that information about the categories of abuse and the signs and symptoms, process that information, and then they come back to the alerter course, having had a little bit of time to ruminate on that information that they were given and some of the categories or instances of abuse that they might not have come across before. Yeah, definitely. And you can see that they'll have more open discussions with each other around what that information means. So if we give the scenario, there seems to be quite a lot more discussion of really picking that apart and each other's opinions and values which then brings in that you can just see that every professional's aspect is different 
So it's really tying in all those kinds of bringing everything together. It's really important and really interesting when people start sharing their information with each other and they have the confidence to do that. And it's why we're really open about the fact that other people that work for Tay are facilitating sessions rather than delivering training. Because, of course, there'll absolutely be some people in the room that that information is new to. But there's also people in the room with a whole variety of experience, personal and professional. And if you can facilitate Mm -hmm. learning rather than just impart it, you'll know as well as I do that actually people engage a bit more and take more away from that session. Talk to us about some of your top learning points then. What did you pick out? So my first one is around legislation. In Safeguard Alert, we do cover a lot of the legislation that underpins safeguarding as a whole. Obviously, there's a vast range of acts and policies and guidance. And we do talk through the Children's Act and the Mental Capacity Act. But the one that I want to talk about at the moment is um, the Care Act from 2014 because there's six key principles within that CARE Act. And although it's based at supporting adults at risk, I think those principles can really be brought into safeguarding anybody and for any practitioner. So the six key principles are empowerment, protection, prevention, proportionality, partnership and accountability. And those principles really emphasise that any professional working within safeguarding should really bring those to the forefront because it makes it then the support that we're doing and whatever we are doing with our clients very person-centred and it's bringing their needs and their wishes straight to the forefront of what you know what concerns do they have um what is it that they want to talk about so we are really bringing in that empowerment for them they can say actually i'm at risk of this or i'm concerned about this And then that's really great because that gives them the confidence to be able to build up that relationship to talk about any serious issues as well. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. It's interesting because when I talk about the Care Act, I talk about the fact, and this is really true, that when the Care Act came out, I literally did a dance around my bedroom. I was so pleased that it came out when I sat down and read it because obviously we'd been in kind of no man's land with lots of different legislation have an impact on adults at risk and there being lots of gaps and holes within that legislation as well so although the care act isn't perfect i was really pleased to see it come out and actually one of the reasons why i was so pleased is because the simplicity of those six key principles and i completely agree with you when i'm talking about safeguarding and going through the legislation I do a lot of talking about the Children's Act and the Working Together Guidance and then the Care Act and the Care and Support Statutory Guidance. And although I, just like you, contextualise it with the fact that it's been written to support adults at risk, actually those key, really simple key principles are so powerful in their own right. And I, I say to delegates as they're leaving, if you just remember what those key principles are, if that's all you take away from the Care Act as legislation, it's still going to be able to help you advocate on behalf of your clients far more powerfully and get them the support and the care that they need. So brilliant first takeaway. Thank you for that, Becky. What about number two then? What was your number two takeaway? The second one is multi-agency working because that is just so important. Even if we're working with an individual client or a family as a whole, we are probably only seeing them as a professional one to two hours a week. We're not going to know everything that's happening. 
but they're probably also seeing three or four other professionals and we've just got that one small part of that jigsaw puzzle so it's working together also it helps with that kind of not overwhelming them so if we're all working together if we're talking to the other professionals that are supporting this client or family knowing what each other we're doing within our roles so then we're not overwhelming this client or family with filling out the same risk assessments or trying to cover the same outcomes because then clients will just go or oh, I've done this three times already and it's not working so leave me alone but if we have that then we can really kind of support someone fully wrapped around and we can say okay this person and this professional will be working with them with these aspects around domestic abuse or substance misuse and someone else can go and work with them around the benefit or supported housing which we know they all need to be covered but they can be done individually but can also interlink with each other. Yeah absolutely and it's some of the key learning from I think every single serious case review or safeguard and adult review that I've ever read has reference to multi-agency working in there because it helps us see the inconsistencies in people's stories as well. Also, people present differently within different circumstances. And if you've been working with somebody for a while, you can start seeing that change in behaviour. And to be able to discuss that with other people that have a different perspective of that individual or that family can be really powerful. It can help you as well when you're trying to make values-based decisions because we all make assumptions based on the people that we're working with. And actually to be able to have that debate and that conversation with other people who have similar relationships but have a very different frame of reference can be really powerful and help us make clearer, more effective decisions. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of acronyms around uh, multi-agency work. I'm going to test you now, Becky. You know, you're lucky this isn't live. We can do replays if we need to. <laughs> but do you know what MARAC is? So MARAC is Multi-Agency Risk Assessment Conference. Oh, fantastic. And who would go to MARAC? So MARAC is based around domestic abuse. And it would be the key workers within local authorities. So the police are there, social services are there, education's there, health are there. And they will go through a list of those that are risk and to see if a victim or offender is known to that agency. And then obviously that whole sharing and collaboration can be done around the room of how we can manage the risks and what support we can put in place. Fantastic. Gold star. (laughs) And then MAPA is multi-agency public protection arrangement. This is specifically for people who have been through the criminal justice system and they are in the community and MAPA is a multi-agency approach to managing that risk. And then what about MASH? Multi-agency safeguarding hub. Yay, well done. So tell us about that because MASHs aren't everywhere, are they? They're not everywhere and some of them... There's also different forms of it. So some local authorities will have an early help hub instead. So it just kind of depends what works for that authority and what guidance and thresholds they're working to. But MASH is that, again, the key players within, sat around in the room, they have access to the systems. And then that's kind of where the first, if you've got any concerns that you can phone MASH up, speak about your concerns, get advice and guidance. Is that family or client already known and open to services? Fantastic. Thank you, Becky. What about 
your third point? What did you pick out as your third key learning point? So my third one in Alerta is we really look at putting a report together. So if you have a safeguarding concern or if there's been a disclosure of how to kind of really structure that report and the processes of listening to a disclosure, picking out those key points that we know needs to go into a report, also allowing our client to just openly talk about what their concern is or what they are at risk of. So Becky, tell us, if somebody has disclosed some abuse to you or you've got some signs and symptoms and you're concerned that harm, abuse or neglect is happening as an operational worker, what's the first thing that you would do? So the first thing that you would do is go and speak to, um, it will either be your manager or your designated safeguarding lead within your organisation. Sometimes it's the same person. Sometimes it might be that you've got a designated safeguard lead that is away from your manager. And obviously you would go to them and say that you are either aware of some issues that have been raised to you or you've got some concerns and what steps should you take next. Okay, so we know that managers and DSLs designate safeguard leads or some people call DSOs designate safeguard officers. We know that they can advise and guide and support. It's important at at this point to say that they don't have the power to tell you not to make a report to the local authority. They can advise and guide, but as an operational worker, at any point you can still absolutely make the decision to make a report to the local authority. So if you're an operational worker and you've been to your manager, your DSO and had a conversation with them and they said, yes, I'm going to support you, I'm going to advise and guide you, what might the next steps be? The next steps would be, obviously, it's dependent on the risk and obviously how high that is. But you would ideally want to be able to speak to your client if possible. So if you've heard information from a third party as well, to kind of hear their perspectives, what they see as risk, their side of what is happening. And then also speak to them and say that you are concerned about this and you would like to take it further to get that support to stop any more harm from happening and to put everything in place that we can. Okay, and if, if it transpires that you are putting a report into the local authority, how does that work and what do you need to remember when you're doing it? So you need to remember the key aspects of who, who is at risk, why are they at risk, what are they at risk from, how is this happening and what has been put in place or why you're doing that referral, what you feel needs to be put in place to prevent or stop this risk from happening as well. So who, what, why and when. Fantastic. And each local authority has a different reporting system. So we won't go into the intricacies of reporting systems on this podcast, but we will say to listeners, please do go and have a look at what your local authority's reporting system is, because some of them have forms, some of them you have to phone a hub initially, some of them it needs to be done via email, some it's triage. So there's a variety of different types but always following that process of who, what, why, when, and that real chronological write-up of what your concerns are, specifically because the point of your referral is to really help the other person understand why you're concerned, why you think there's a risk. We've done three learning points from the Alerta course, and what about your key learning point number four? So number four is learning from serious case reviews. 
Fantastic. And what are serious case reviews or safeguarding adult reviews? So serious case reviews are for um, children and young people. And they are if there has been a child's death or if a child has come to significant harm. And then we've got safeguarding adult reviews, which are very similar to serious case reviews with children, but obviously just with adults. Fantastic. And what's the learn? Because there's an activity in the alerter, isn't there, where people choose a serious case review or a safeguard and adult review. And we take a selection so people can choose one that is connected in some way to the work that they undertake on a daily basis. Once they've picked one of those, they work in a pair and they read through the serious case review or the safeguard and adult review and they answer some questions about how they would have done things differently or how they can apply the learning from those reviews to their daily roles. So there's some quite detailed questions and they really have to analyse and pull apart some of the detail within those reviews. So why, why have you picked this out as your fourth learning point? What do people get from that process? I think people understand that obviously they're designed as a what can we learn from this but I think a very common thing is that a lot of the lessons learned seem to be very similar like you said with obviously previously multi-agency working is key and information sharing is very much key in all of them as well but I think a lot of it is around the voice of the child as well especially with some of the serious case reviews that we have for the activity even though there's such young children involved, we can still listen to them and we can still see from them that something isn't right. Their voice should still be listened to in any way that we can. I think for me and for delegates that I've taught when we've done the serious case review and safeguard and adult review activity, I think it's brought safeguarding alive for some people because we can become very used to the world that we're operating in. And every day can be a different crisis. And we're working with complex people, vulnerable people, people that are marginalised by society. And you can get used to that to an extent. The serious case reviews and safeguard and adult reviews go into so much detail that you can't get away from the fact that they are, that they were real people in the case of the deaths. And with the case of the serious harm, the impact that that harm's had. I've had people say to me that having a photo on the handouts makes a difference as well because they really recognise that they're analysing what went wrong for a person where somebody was harmed and potentially died and that can make things really real for people. And that's really hard on safeguarding training because you're, you're wanting people to have that resilience and to be able to operate and make values-based decisions and be able to really challenge your own thinking and perspectives and advocate on behalf of their clients and protect them from harm and risk where they can. And to do that, there's an air of resilience that is needed. But equally, there's that balance of we don't want them to forget that they're working with real people and their decisions and the signs and symptoms they do or don't see and the reports they do or don't make will absolutely impact lives and can save lives as well. So I'm with you that the serious case review activity brings safeguarding alive for people again, doesn't it? It does. I think it also helps with those lessons learned around information sharing and multi-agency working because we use some very famous um, serious case reviews that I think even if you don't work in safeguarding, you know those names because they've been in the newspapers and the reports and they were just so serious and very horrific. 
that even to this day that some people will read through them and go, I didn't realize that happened or I didn't realize that there was this aspect to it as well. You're only seeing aspects that you are seeing. You only see, read from a certain article or you only read from a certain newspaper. You'll only see their perspectives. Yeah. So it's bringing everything to that together as well. That brings us seamlessly onto your fifth learning point, which you've already told me and is one that we mention at the end of every podcast because it is so very, very important. So, Becky, what's the fifth learning point you chose for Safeguard and Alerta? So I think the fifth one is looking after yourself because having that emotional resilience is just so important if you are especially dealing with safeguarding in any aspect. But if you're a frontline operational worker, getting those disclosures, it really can take a toll. So Becky, give me some examples of what people say to you that they do that helps them to stay emotionally resilient when they're working such challenging roles. So a lot of people will talk about accessing that support within their organisation. So speaking to their manager, looking at debriefing with your colleagues within your team is a great one talk a lot around even just brain dumping so you start of the day these are my concerns of the day I just want to tell my colleagues don't expect you to fix it but then I'm sorted and ready to range go looking at within your supervision and if there's any access to counselling or extra support within your organisation as well and obviously senior doctor if things are getting to a point where you're waking up during the three in the morning wondering what's going on you're finding that it, you just can't switch off but also on the flip side, just what works for you as well within home. So when you come home at the end of the day, is it that you can just see your husband and kids? Do you need to go and take your dog for a walk, chat to a friend confidential, like confidentially, take your mind off things to not talk about work at all? Baking is also a really popular one. A lot of people tell me they like to make cakes and cookies. <laughs> Lots of people tell me that they like to run and I'm like, really? To relax? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, baking always seems to be quite a popular one. Yeah, I can get on board with the baking more than I can get on board with the running, certainly. Fantastic. Mine is I talk to my pets. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's great. Talk to your pets. That's really confidential. Yeah, because I can't talk back. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you, Becky. I've had a wonderful time talking to you today. So thank you for coming along and sharing your five top learning points from the Alerta session. If any of our listeners would like any more information on Becky, the learning points or the Alerta course, all of the details will be in the show notes. Becky, is there anything that you would like to say before we sign off for the day? Um, Just that, like you said, I hope these five points have been helpful to people. I really enjoy delivering safeguarding and safeguarding is kind of paramount to everyone out there. We all have a duty and it is everyone's business. So hopefully these key points have helped. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope it's been time well spent. I'd like to finish by saying a huge thank you. Whether you're working or volunteering on the front line with vulnerable and or complex people, a manager supporting a team or part of the cogs that keep the wheels of a frontline organisation turning, truly thank you. It's only together that we can help people stay safe and prevent harm and abuse. Please don't forget about yourself though. No one, no matter how amazing, can pour from an empty cup. There is a reason emotional resilience features in all our courses, irrelevant of the subject. It's because it matters. You matter. Take care of yourself. If you'd like to know more about me, Tammy Banks, Tay Training, 
or the Training for Influence methodology, please have a read of the show notes. You can also find us on all social media platforms at Tay Training or contact me directly via email tammy at taytraining.org.uk. If you hadn't noticed already, I love to talk. Have a good day.